all work and no play makes Jack the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, The Shining. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, Rick the Axe Barrasso, and I, your co-host, the Big Shine Boski, Rick, we're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I am doing fucking excellent. The, the sky is dark, but it is shining tonight. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Because we're talking yet another Stephen King adaptation. I get the feeling you probably like this one more than the last one we did. This is the fourth Stephen King adaptation we've done, I think. I was trying to confirm that beforehand. We've done It, It, The Shining, Shawshank, and The Green Mile. I think it's four. I believe that is the case. But we're back in the kingdom. And uh, I am excited to talk about this one. Lots uh, Lots to talk about here. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, we talked about the night he came home with Halloween, and it is a fun episode. Check that one out or any of our library on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever app you do use. Uh, Subscribe, review if you can. It's extremely helpful for the show. Give us a five-star review. It would definitely help us a lot. And if uh, you enjoyed what you hear, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We are at great movie cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. You can always shoot us an email at greatest movie pod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, as our old caretaker, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us. But now here's the shining shining. It's a 1980 horror classic. Adapted from the novel by Stephen King, it is directed by Stanley Kubrick. It stars Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance, again playing a character named Jack, Shelley Duvall as Wendy, Danny Lloyd as Danny Torrance, and Scatman Crothers as Dick Halloran. I think I'm going to name my first son Scatman. Scatman. Great, great name. Yes, Scatman Barrasso. His parents were like, it's either Scatman or Bill. Mm, (laughs) I think they made the right decision. I agree. Bill Crothers does not get nearly as much work as Scatman Crothers. Right. Now, it, the Shining made $47 million, not as much as I would have thought, uh, on a $19 million budget. So it was a hit, but not massive. Uh, it's got an 8.4 on IMDb, an 84% in Rotten Tomatoes, and Metacritic and a Metacritic, 66%. Wow. Uh, I, I don't really understand that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Ebert says four out of four. The movie is not about ghosts, but about madness and the energies it sets loose in an isolated situation primed to magnify them. Eric Henderson from Slant Magazine says it's the experience more so than the actual content of The Shining that radiates cold, anti-humanly indifferent terror. Gary Arnold from The Washington Post, this guy again 
Doesn't like it. Doesn't I feel like he just doesn't like horror movies. Mm. I can't recall a more elaborately ineffective scare movie. Don't know what he's talking about. But Derek, yeah. when did you first see this one? I don't remember when I first saw it. Um, it must have been within the last 15 years or something. Um, I always liked this movie. I always, I think I've seen it maybe like, maybe like a solid eight times, something around there. Um, it's always a pleasure, but it is one of those movies where you kind of have to be in the right mood to watch it because it is very moody, as it is a Stanley Kubrick. Any Kubrick I have to be in the mood for because you know you're going to get, you're, you're going to feel weird afterwards. <laughs> Yes, you are absolutely right. This is very Kubrickian. You know, I, I've seen this a ton. I probably first saw this. I was like 12 or 13, something like that. Uh, I read the book and then I, uh, then I, then I saw the movie. Uh, definitely some big differences from book to movie in this one. Uh, really kind of changes what it's about in a lot of ways. But we'll definitely get to that. Uh, let's talk about what happens in the movie. So, Derek, did you want to? Oh, you want to know what song I chose? Yes. What song did you choose? I'll tell you what, Rick. I chose "Happy Jack" by The Who. Oh, there you go. All right. So here we go. If you're, if you're, you want to play it along with me, go right ahead. "Happy Jack" by The Who. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. The Torrance family, Jack, Wendy, and Danny, move to the isolated Overlook Hotel to care for it over the winter off season. The family is tormented by either ghosts of the tragedies that have taken place to the Overlook or the alcoholism of Jack, or perhaps a mix of both. Danny seems particularly sensitive to the supernatural elements of the hotel because of his psychic abilities he calls his shine that he shares with Dick Halloran, the head, she- the head chef of the hotel during the summers. When Jack tries to murder his family, Danny uses his shining to reach out to Dick. Jack kills Dick, but the family escapes. Jack freezes to death in the elements 30 seconds on the fucking beautiful eat that shit 30 seconds on the dot motherfuckers Mm -hmm. all you naysayers out there eat shit i'm flipping you all off you know who you are you know who doubted me (laughs) who doubted me who here does who here does not belong i'm not entertained that that was that was a quote from hook where uh where captain hook finds the pirate and it's glenn close yeah, I, I was quoting Gladiator. Uh, uh, anyway. Very similar movies. Yes, oh, basically the same thing. Can you imagine if uh, Maximus just brutally killed Captain Hook in front of all the pirates? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. I think this is the first time in the history of the world that anybody has ever compared Hook and Gladiator. I think me and Rick are just like, we're, we're the originals to ever combine these two movies. Yes, they're definitely similar in the fact that they are both movies. Yep, they were filmed. That's it. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And there may be a sword in each one, but that's, you know. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. They both have swords. There you go. So let's talk about our favorite scenes in the movie here, The Shining. Not Hook, not Gladiator, but The Shining. As we continue our Halloween horror movie through the decades series here. Derek, what is your number three favorite scene? I just want to give a shout out to a scene before I give my bronze. And that is the scene where um, Wendy Torrance is freaking out at the end. And she's like trying to find Jack. And she just stumbles upon a, like a, like a hotel room where like a guy in a bear suit is just giving oral sex to some guy. It's a and- dog suit. 
Are you sure it looks like a bear suit? It is. A, it does look like a, a bear suit, but it is a dog suit. A dog suit. Okay. The story is like one of the stories of like the shitty things that have happened at this hotel is basically this this guy would only sleep with this other guy because like if he pretended to be his like little dog like that's that's basically what it is because they did not clarify that in the movie that's just no, so not random it, the, the way they filmed it is just like watch this weird thing yes. you know what i mean and i and i just love i love kubrick he's just he's weird like that but uh my number my number three my my bronze is jack torrance at the bar and he is speaking to lloyd the bartender and this is just the first of many many times that jack nicholson just portrays jack as this just fucking maniac every line nicholson delivers during the scene is like he's just terror he's a terrifying person he's unhinged his hair is crazy the way he his teeth in his mouth and the way he delivers the lines he's pretty extraordinary um and this scene is like starting to like really see him like really unravel i i love it and i think it's it's just like you know um Wendy comes in and she's like, I think, I think somebody, I think somebody hurt, hurt our son. And he's just, and the bartender goes away and there's no drink. And it's like, he imagined the whole thing. It's just a tremendous scene. And again, I'm going to reiterate this many times throughout the show. This movie is just filled with amazing scenes. And that's just one of them. So that's my bronze. Yeah. So my number three scene is the very famous scene where uh, Danny is, uh, riding his tricycle um, or bike or whatever it is through the hallways and comes upon the twin girls that had been murdered and they just you know reach out come and play with us Danny it's I can't even imagine now I I was thinking about this and I have seen probably this scene and this movie has been, I've read a book. I've seen this movie. I've seen the fucking Simpsons do it. I've seen I've t- like TV miniseries with the guy from Wings. We know what this shit is. It's become instantly and profoundly iconic. So Dude, I'm trying. Even the hotel carpet is now you can like buy a t-shirt. Yeah. Like it's insanity. Yeah. But I'm trying to put myself in 1980 in seeing these these girls, these creepy little girls for the first time. And I can't even imagine how fucking terrified audiences must have been for this to become so famous so quickly. Oh, there's even a clip of this scene in the movie um, Twister. Twister. Yeah. And even that's creepy. And it's it's just it's just an iconic, iconic scene really is. Absolutely. So what is your number two scene? Uh, my number two is the scene where uh, Danny is trying to sneak into the room to get his like truck, little toy truck. And he's trying to sneak in and Jack is awake and he asks Danny to come sit in his lap and like talk to him and stuff. And just the dialogue between them, they're just so dead, like their emotions and their Jack is, just, you know, Danny's like, dad. And he's like, yes. And the way they just go back and forth and the music behind the scene yeah. is driving and it's scary. And it's just like the music in this movie is very, very effective. Yes. Um, and it has like that weird, like wind blowing in the background, like very eerie, eerie stuff. And you know, at this point, something bad's going to happen, especially and Danny's like, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Yeah, no, and I just love the fact that Danny walks in the room and Jack is just sitting there staring at nothing. Yeah, yeah, he is. It's just, it's so eerie. And Danny's like, you'd never hurt me and mom, would you? And it's we'll just, that, yeah. yeah, it's just very like, you know, and, and you know, it, the whole movie, you keep going back and forth with like, oh, Jack accidentally hurt, hurt Danny and, and stuff like that. And he just seems like from the very beginning, a very unhinged person, even when he's not drinking. Um, but yeah. this scene, this scene with his son on his lap, you're like, this is not a good relationship <laughs> and, and it's yeah. just going to get worse. So, yeah. So my number two is basically the end sequence, everything from when Jack gets out of the, um, like the walk-in storage unit or yep. container or whatever the food is, the canned food goods are. And, you know, you get here, here's Johnny in there. You have the thing with the guy in the dog suit. You have like dick halloran being killed you have the stuff in the maze it's fucking incredible and you're just like what is happening yeah like how did we fucking get here right but yeah that's uh that is my number two it's just one of the most energetic end sequences to a movie it's just a fucking sprint through the end of this movie it's wild yep what's your number one we can keep going because that's my number one. Uh, it's like I let you said it all basically, and there's just little moments that are so clever, like when um, when Jack is is chasing Danny through the maze and it's so snowy, and Danny is a smart kid. He realizes he's following my footprints. Let me backtrack my footprints and then like jump over to another area and then confuse my dad. And that's that is Jack's downfall right there. He is no longer able to follow his footsteps, even if he could. He's too tired. It's too cold out. He freezes to death, and it's just the shot of him with his eyes glazed, and he's frozen to death. There's been a meme now of like, you know, my face waking up in the morning for work, shit like that. Like, there's just yeah. it's so iconic. But the the the, the killing of of, of uh, Dick Holleran is so sad. He goes, he travels all the way there to make sure that like Danny's okay because he's like, and I think that a big reason for it is that he cares about the family and how they're doing, but he knows that Danny also has The Shining, and he wants to make sure that he's okay. He travels all that way. Um, and you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, you know, Jack's locked in this, uh, this, you know, uh, stock room and good for, he, he could die in there. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute, shit, he can't, there's tons of food in there. And, uh, it's just a bad circumstantial thing. And, like, I like when, uh, the, 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 the ghost of Grady is like at the door and like, he, he like unlocks the door for him. Like what a ghost, uh, yeah. pr- pretty strange stuff. And, uh, and this is, this is a movie where. It, the the mechanics of how things happen are so different than the source material that there's no answers in the movie. Yeah, there really isn't. There, it's just like is are these well, yeah, they're ghosts, but only only Jack and Danny can see them, or like up until the end where everything goes to shit, and then Wendy starts seeing them. Wendy, or, yeah, Wendy starts seeing them. So it's like the hotel is really like a character within itself. It's like a yeah, breathe, well, it's a breathing entity. That's what it is in the. You know, and this is kind of stepping on, like, I guess my my least favorite parts is it's so different from the book because, like, in the book, the the hotel is an entity to itself, basically. And it, like, literally possesses Jack. Jack is not in control of his actions. Whereas in the movie, it's definitely more of, like, this is Jack doing what he's doing. And because the book is basically, like, here's... Danny with his powers coming into the house and the entity that is the hotel is like, what the fuck is this? I don't know how to react to this. I have to kill it. Yeah. Whereas in the, 
in the in the movie, it's very much like this is just a bad place where bad people get tempted to do bad things for no reason. Yeah. And it's definitely a lot more like nihilist. Like Dick does not die in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. He he helps them escape. Wow. And that like Jack doesn't there's no maze in the book. The hotel blows up at the end of it. There's no picture with Jack there. So let me ask you this. If yeah. it blows up in this, does that mean in Dr. Sleep it's still blown it's up? To- again, totally different ending. Okay. They ste- basically they steal the ending from the book and put it in the Dr. Sleep movie. Okay. Where it's like the the furnace is like having like it's just pressured. Right. That's that's the end of the shining book. Gotcha. Then there's like an epilogue where you know um Wendy, Danny and, and Dick are like, well that was fucking crazy. Like let's try to move on. Right. Doctor Sleep is interesting because it's 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 not quite a sequel to the book and it's not quite a sequel to the movie. And they just kind of like mash up what happened in the book and the movie together and could, like try to make a sequel. It's like, eh, we'll figure it out. Right. It's Doctor Sleep is a very interesting movie. Yeah, um, it is interesting. So where were we? So okay, my number one. Uh all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Be- yeah. Yeah. Because couple reasons number one within the movie it really shows you just how fucked we all are and have been from the beginning because like not knowing about if you're going into this movie you're gonna be like jack's acting kind of weird you know he's he's you know jack nicholson he looks crazy maybe it's me and it's just like and then he sees that and's like oh he's been a psychopath from the beginning and there's, they are so fucked. But also, this is the moment where Jack gets to go full fucking Jack. Yep. Jack Nicholson, you know, uh, can can you go real Wendy? I'm gonna, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your fucking brains in. Yeah. Like, oh, it's he's just going one hundred and ten percent with it at this point. He is ratcheting up the performance. Yep. And it, I think, at the end. It doesn't necessarily work when you talk, Daddy, Daddy boy, is like too far. And, you know, it's a great sequence and a lot of great stuff happened. But like, this is why fucking you put Jack Nicholson in the movies for this scene. Yeah, agreed. So let's talk about our least favorite parts of the movie. Derek, what do you have? Well, I think uh, I think we finally stumped old, uh, old, old uh, shining Dekboski here because uh I don't think this movie really has a, a a thing that just doesn't work all the way through. I am just compelled, even though I've seen it a bunch of times and I'm still confused by the ending of like why he's in that picture um, at the end that says 1921, even that, that confuses me. I still don't think there's a part in this movie where I'm like, no, it, it just doesn't work. I, I like it all. I think the only thing that I really have to nitpick is that I did see some Kool-Aid and some Tang in that storeroom and I never see her making it for Danny. So that's a pretty shitty thing. Well, I mean, we, we we don't see every fucking snack or meal. But, but maybe should, like Kool-Aid. Maybe he's diabetic and they just don't mention it. There should have been a scene where some Tang was made because I've never yeah. – there needs to be more Tang scenes in movies. Okay. So I think as far as the picture goes, this is what I took from this viewing. So the the house is the, – the hotel, rather, is a like an entity of itself. And the ghosts are – Almost like, think of the the hotel as like a body. The ghosts are the, like the organs of the body. 
right? Or some like they're pieces of it. And somehow this piece that is Jack escaped. And he was kind of pulled back into the hotel. That's all I can think. Cause it's like, there's just the line was like, Oh, I've been here before. It was like, I fucking like, tur-. like, that's all I can think of. Yeah. Like he, he in either like a past life or like somehow his, the spirit of whoever this 1920s Jack was escaped the hotel. I don't know. Again, this is a movie that is inscrutable. Like there are no answers in the book. There are no definitive answers anywhere. Uh, I'm sure Kubrick has his answers and I'm sure Jack Nicholson has his answers. uh, And I'm sure Stephen King has his answers, but yeah. So my, I have a couple for, for least favorite parts. Number one, the experience of Shelley Duvall during the filming of this was yeah i was considering saying this but i i don't know yeah she was fucking tortured yeah she like you know take after take after take after take kubrick didn't think a whole lot of her as an actress it seemed and he just took it out on her and you know it's just kind of shitty he was being a big bully he couldn't go after jack nicholson because nicholson was too big of a star he wouldn't go after the kid because he's not a total fucking like psychopath, I guess, but he's a huge fucking bully. So yeah. he went after Shelley Duvall. She had had like stressed the point of physical effects because of, because of this experience. And it really sucks. The other thing, and you've talked about it a lot and you know, as far as the, the back reason, or sort of the background reason, I would say Stephen King doesn't like this movie. He like really doesn't like it. That's why that miniseries exists. And the reason why he doesn't like it, the main reason, you've said more than once, Jack Nicholson looks like a fucking psychopath throughout the entire film. From the first frame you see his face, it's like, this guy is going to kill his family. Get them out of there. The book and the way Stephen King meant the story to go is, this is a normal guy. Because the book is about alcoholism. So what Stephen King wanted to say is like this normal guy, you know, under the effect of this thing can become a monster. Whereas he looks at Jack Nicholson and he goes, this is the wrong guy for the part. So it kind of, it caps, it's, you know, what is this movie trying to say? You know, I guess is the, you know, about the character of Jack. Right. He's like, yeah, he's a psychopath. Of course he did what he's going to do. Yeah, I could totally see that. I, I, I could feel that too. I mean, it's, it's Nicholson just has that look about him. He just, he, we were watching it. I mean, I, I just watched this movie like a few hours ago and uh, both me and my wife, Gia, were both like, he just looks like fucking Satan in some scenes. Yeah, no. And he's, like, he fucking plays Satan in the Witches of East, Eastwick a few years later. Like, right. yeah, it, it's, I mean, it's fucking, it's a great performance. Yeah. But it's like, um. You know, maybe this is not what tech, this story, you know, I, I think Kubrick and King, two geniuses of their medium, had very different ideas of what this story was. And the places where it doesn't necessarily 100% work is where they conflicted. But yeah, again, it's, I, I, think, it's, I think it works in the context of just the movie alone. If you're if you're you know, a fan of the novel, it might be a little bit less. But regardless, you can't you know, not think that Nicholson is great in this role. Yeah, you know, no, I agree, but it, it, I think I think casting Nicholson kind of um, it it brings like a weight to the character that maybe the story doesn't demand that it has. Maybe 
would be better if it didn't have that. Yeah, but a different, uh, yeah, different question, I guess. Uh, so let's go to medals. Uh, who do you have for bronze? My bronze is absolutely Shelly Duvall. Um, she, like you said before, she goes through so much and you can see it in the, in the, in the characterization of her performance. She is always on edge, even in the beginning of the movie, when she's just talking to like the doctor or therapist who comes to see Danny and stuff like she just always on edge. And, um, now that we know what we know about her and, and Kubrick, it seems even, even sadder to watch her like really unravel and, and be bullied and stuff. But regardless of that, she just, um, Every scream, every yell, everything she says is just believable. Um, and I, I feel bad because, I mean, I know she's done more movies after this. I mean, she, the two movies that I do know her by really are this and Popeye, which came out the same year. Um, <clears throat> but after that, she just kind of faded away into the background. And uh, I wonder if she took minor roles yeah. or something. I, I don't know what the deal is, but I she just had, know that. Um, yeah. yeah, she had some, you know, some real um real problems after this movie she is my bronze medal winner as well and honestly i don't think it's it's a tough performance to talk about because there are certainly moments where i'm like what is she doing and you have to kind of consider this like she was being fucking terrorized yeah you know i i i can't say it's a great performance uh, but it's but in Given the circumstances she was in, yeah, I, I mean, you have to absolutely give her credit. And she does have some excellent moments. I think the, you know, one thing I really picked up on this viewing is the first part of the movie when they're establishing this relationship. Whenever they're around other people, the two of them together, be it the, you know, the owner of the hotel or even around Danny, they're so... There's like a palpable phoniness to their relationship. Yeah. You know, they are just doing this to get through and live their lives, but they don't really have a great marriage, even at the beginning of this movie. Yep. Yeah. It it totally seems like that way. So who is your silver? My silver is Jack Nicholson. And, um, yeah, he's he's just he's the ultimate Nicholson in this movie. Um, the classic lines, the classic phrases, the the way he maneuvers himself. Uh, he's just he he's the top, he's at the top of his game in this movie, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I, I even like there's just moments where it's just like I think there's Wendy and Danny are outside playing in the snow, and it just shows Jack staring outside at them, and he looks like he's just dazed. And his eyeballs are like looking up and it's like, oh my God, like the little tiny moments that he has, it just he just shines in, you know, and that, that just shows you how good of an actor he was. I'm not saying he's a bad actor now. I mean, he's a caricature of himself, but he, you know, just give, give actors like him little moments to shine. No pun intended. Um, he's my silver. I mean, I, I yeah. think we, I think we know who my gold is, but I would yeah. have liked to have given Jack my gold, but it's difficult. Yeah, no, I, I have, uh, I have Jack as my, my silver here as well. Um, the performance is fucking excellent. Like I said, when he gets to take the reins off and go full fucking Jack Nicholson, uh, it's something to behold. Have you seen the sort of like back, like the video behind the scenes video of this movie? 
him getting yeah. ready to film yeah, he, the... Yeah, the, the scene, especially, he's, like, swinging the axe around. He yeah. almost, like, hits somebody with it. Yeah, he's, like, um, shaking it out. He's like... He's sh- yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, 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 he's really getting into it. And Shelley Duvall's probably just, like, terrified of having yes, to do behind this again. the door, cowering in fucking fear from our gold medal winner. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, Jack Nicholson, you he's a fucking legend for a reason, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the end of his... I feel like this is sort of the... I, I wouldn't i don't know he, he's like I, I don't know if i'd call him like a heartthrob necessarily but this is where he kind of like transitions into again like the next 10 years you know not even from this nine years later he's the joker yep almost a fucking different guy uh at that point um yeah you know so this is kind of the like ending of an era for him and his career and yeah it's sort of like it's sort of i would say that transition almost reminds me of like what happened to Pacino's voice after Scarface? Yeah. Like there's two different Al Pacino. Actually, there's probably three different Al Pacinos that we know at this point, but yeah, there's, actors... there's post Scarface and there's post scent of a woman. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then like, now he just sounds like um, the friggin' rooster from the Looney Tunes, but um, yeah. <laughs> I Nicholson, say, I say, I say. I say a bar. Yeah. Nicholson, uh, he, yeah, he, like even in the departed, like he's just Jack Nicholson being the, being himself. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think the shining was sort of like maybe the last, like really great character study of his, maybe not. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, there's other, we'd have to look deeper into his career, but yeah, this is definitely a different era from the Jack that we've seen on the show so far. And, you know, certainly the, the you know, recent, uh, you know, later Jack Nicholson. Uh, so Gold Stanley Kubrick, I'm assuming, correct? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you get, I get agree with that one here. Um, for whatever he fucking did, this was his movie to the frame. Yep. You know, he, there is nothing on screen that isn't completely exacting of what he wanted. Yeah, his color schemes too are pretty amazing. I know he likes to work with like regular lighting like normal lighting and not like over the top, like just like, you know, fake, fake lighting and stuff. And like that scene in the bathroom, it's just all red. It's very, right away. Me and G were both like, Oh, that is so Kubrick. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, he has a style about him and it's, you know, there was for a while I was trying to make short horror movies with people and, you know, doing it on our phones and stuff. And it just to create a tone for a horror movie, you got to know what you're doing. And I usually, my brain goes to Kubrick of just how he can just make things so unbelievably uneasy and just with little details. And I know the music we mentioned is a big part of that too. And the sound effects, um, he has the whole package. He really is every, I think every Kubrick movie I've seen afterwards, I felt like, all right, I got to watch something really happy. Cause I feel strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't help while I was watching this uh, compare the, the the three directors that we've done this month so far, you know, and how they've, they're all legendary directors, but they're so different. Yep. You know, you know, we look at Polanski in Rosemary's Baby is, you know, we talked about this apartment, this kind of like, you know, lush, homey feeling setting, right? You have Carpenter, which, you know, he made, you know, Haddonfield just feel like a normal town, a normal house, you know, a normal setting. And this is bad shit. Like, it's so, like, the outside is fucking snowing, but it's, even inside, it's just cold. You know, even their, their, even their apartment is, is like, 
it's so weirdly set up. Like, it's like you have to walk through the kitchen to get to the bed. It's like, it's, it doesn't quite make sense. And, you know, I, I think, you know, famously the layout of, you know, Danny, he made like Danny riding his bike through the hotel. Like it doesn't make sense. The directions he goes. Like it's just to throw you off, you know, throw you off and like, it doesn't make sense. You know, it is the whole movie is kind of a maze to him and the way he builds this setting is, is phenomenal. Like these are, you know, everyone we're talking about this month are are fucking our tours. And this is such a unique, unique setting here. So that's who we liked in the movie. Let's get to recasting. And I really like my recasting here for this. I did uh, Jack, Wendy, and Dick. Again, we're not. I'm not recasting any kids, so you know, plug in whoever you want as Danny. So, who do you have for uh, for Dick Halloran? Dick Halloran. All right, I have Danny Glover himself. All right. I think uh, <laughs> I just want to see it. I just feel like I was thinking about him and Angels in the Outfield when he's like, you know, the kids like, oh, we get an angel, and he's like, you, you really do see angels, don't you, kid? I could just picture him in that Dick like. He's like, you know, oh, who's Tony? Like, yeah. the, I could just see Danny Glover, like, doing that exact thing. But one thing about Dick Halloran that's kind of strange, too, not that that's strange, it's just kind of, like, very Kubricky, is, like, the pictures on his walls and his apartment or house, like, the naked women, the woman yeah. f- above his TV and above his bed. It's just like, oh, okay, that's yeah. just his thing. But it's just a very interesting choice. I, um, yeah, I think my my Dick Halloran, I, I wanted them to, to like, lean into like the weirdness of the character a little bit more. So I went with, uh, with Forrest Whitaker. Nice. I, I could, like I it. could, yeah, I could kind of see him like he's kind of a, a little bit more strange looking, you know, than Scatman Crothers. Like he's, would I be a hundred percent okay with this guy talking to my child? Like, right. Right. Uh, but you know, obviously he's, you know, Forrest Whitaker can play both villains and, you know, and heroes here. So, you know, I, I like him. So who do you have for Wendy? I needed to go with an actress that I know can be very, very, very emotional on screen. Yeah. And you can see her also losing her mind. Yeah. And I actually took this performance specifically from Les Miserables, and that is Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Um, I, I could just see her in this role. I actually went through a few different actresses, and then I thought of her, and I said, well, she's proven herself time and time again, and she's like an all-around great actress. Yes. Um. And I think that she would play really well off of my Jack Torrance. So she's my choice. Anne Hathaway is great. She's a great choice. Uh, I went with someone, though, who is, in my opinion, honestly, the I, I think Wendy, you just want to like her. You know, you just want to root for her so much. And I went with, like, probably one of the more likable actresses in Hollywood, Amy Adams. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to see her in a, in a, in a horror movie. I don't, I don't think she's really done one. To my right. knowledge, uh, at least not since she's been famous, but she's a great actress. She can do anything. And you just don't want anything to happen to her. Right, right. Yep, that's true. So Jack Torrance, I, I feel like we could go a few different ways with this one. So I'm interested to see who you had. Yeah, I th- so the actor I chose is might be one of the top three biggest actors in the planet still at this point. Okay. Yeah, we, um, uh, we might I have went, chosen the same person. I went really, really high with this one. And I yeah. chose him also because... I know he can do anything yeah, and I've seen him do everything, but I still want to see him go fucking ballistic. Yeah. I think we have the same person. And I'm with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, me too. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, my, my thought is 
there's nobody who's going to be able to match Jack Nicholson's energy in this. Right. There's, there's nobody like him. Not really. Uh, I mean, you probably like reach for it, but maybe, maybe not a leading man, but I think seeing such a huge star as Leo fucking lose it. Yeah. Is what you need to like. Yeah. I, I think he's, he's the guy for this. Yeah. I've always wanted to see DiCaprio play like, a Batman villain. Like I want to see him be like very cartoonish and he kind of was in Django playing Calvin Candy. Like he was despicable. Yeah. And I think at that point I knew that DiCaprio was one of my favorites. Cause like finally he played this really hateful villain. I um, think, I think the closest he's done to something like that is shutter Island. Yeah. Where he's kind of losing it. He's going to go full villain. Right. But, but the, it's, it's there where he's kind of like losing his, his mind. Yep, but and, I can I can see him sitting at the bar and just being like, five months sober, like yeah. You know? Have you seen that GIF? I, I just found it recently. It's a little like GIF of um DiCaprio, and he has Jack Nicholson's eyebrows. No, I it's, I, I'll send it to and you, folks. <laughs> it is GIF with a hard G, and if you think it's GIF, we don't want you listening to the show. It's not Jiffy peanut butter. Guys. It's not no. Um, but yeah, it just I, I, maybe that sat in my head. Like I was like thinking about DiCaprio because like you can also make DiCaprio look a little bit different. You can have yeah. give him that shaggy, crazy hair and make him look like unhinged. But one thing that I love about DiCaprio is that uh, like, for instance, in the movie. Um, oh, my God, I lost my mind. Uh, what's the heck's that movie? The one with um, Inception. Yeah. When his wife jumps off the cliff. Yeah. His reaction to that. It's so genuine and so real. Like, it's just incredible. Like, he, you, he's screaming on top of his lungs. He's got tears in his eyes. Like, he, DiCaprio's so good at that. So, to see him walk up the stairs to my, like, you know, Anne Hathaway or Amy Adams, who's shooing him away with a baseball bat, yeah. DiCaprio's menacing face, I can see that 100%. Yeah, I, I can as well. You know, I think you could, you could also go his, uh, you know, his counterpart in the departed. I think Matt Damon is my, maybe my second place. That would be uh, interesting. Yeah. Matt, Matt Damon, for some reason, he just looked to me looks like he he has like a good guy face. Yeah, no, and but, that's that's, that's, to me that's what King what would want. King wanted, yeah, yeah. I bet King would fucking love Matt Damon in the role, and Leo for that matter, because Leo, like Leo, can be super likable. Yeah, so I mean, I I, I think, yeah, I, I, Leo, Leo number one, Damon number two for this. Yeah, and and to keep to keep moving, you know, moving forward with this conversation, like I love seeing actors who have never done this sort of work before. Like I remember seeing what lies beneath and I remember Harrison yeah, Ford, Ford and it was yeah. like, you can, people were like shocked. Like what this beloved actor who's done so many fun roles as this bad guy. Um, there's a lot of different performances. Like, like for instance, I would love to see Daniel Craig do something really villainous. It'd be fun to watch. Like, I mean, I think, you know, you know, now that you say Harrison Ford, I think maybe instead of Nicholson in, in, in 80 would have been very interesting. I see it. I mean, and also, again, I'm bringing up Temple of Doom. Everybody's got problems with it. But the scene where he's like, he turns bad is like really good. Yeah. Because he's like a fucking, you know, he's he's like, oh, he's a scoundrel, but he's lovable. Not like Nicholson. It's like Nicholson's fucking dangerous. Like, I don't, yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to fight Nicholson. Like Nicholson, you know, like I. I don't know if I trust him to be like on my side in a fight. Like, I think, Har- my, I, think I remember hearing my sister was always disappointed that Har- that um, Nicholson never played Wolverine. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know it, about Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. He's too wild for Wolverine, but uh, yeah. I don't even think it's too wild. I just think like, 
yeah, I, well, we'll you know we'll have X Men episodes eventually, so we'll, yes. we'll, talk, we'll definitely talk about Wolverine. Absolutely, uh, but I will say just just for the just for speaking whatever, uh, I did cast a Lloyd, and I went with Crispin Glover for the for the bartender Lloyd. Yeah, uh, I wanted something kind of creepy. I was trying to do a Grady. And I was thinking Michael Shannon, but I never got that far. So I see. I, I think know. I think maybe Crispin Glover for Grady. You think uh, so? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I just uh, also actually funny. Speaking of Temple of Doom, uh, the actor who plays Grady is like Captain Blumbert in Temple of Doom. Yeah. <laughs> at that table when they're all eating, just like snakes and crap. Um, only two movies I've ever seen that actor in, but uh, I, I really like that. Like, scene. I work with only Spielberg or Kubrick. That's it. Right, That's the only people I fucking work with don't right. at me. It's pretty amazing that that's and there's so many scenes we can talk about in The Shining, but the scene where they're in the bathroom and it's like Jack has to really pull it out of Grady. Like, no, 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 I know what you did. I know who yeah. you are. And he's you like, I don't know. Were the caretaker? I don't know what you're talking Grady. about. And he just keeps prying it out of him. And then the, the stare he gives back to him, and then he finally gives in. Is like, yes, you know. And 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 it's just it's really really right. eerie and screwed up. It's like. What, what is this ghost hiding? You know, yeah. he has to, it has to, he has to pry it out of him. Yeah. Um, very interesting character work. So miscellaneous. So do you have any, anything else that you want to talk about in this movie? Um, I guess, I mean, one person we haven't really talked about, and I, I guess this wouldn't really be under miscellaneous, but is Danny Lloyd. Um, yeah. For a child actor, and, and I guess I think Gia read this before. She was telling me during the making while we were watching it. She goes, did you know that I think this kid thought it was a comedy? He was told. Or yes, it wasn't It wasn't they, a scheme. And Yeah, that's pretty insane. Um, I don't but, know how, they, you know, just, yeah, just like write red rum. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Me, don't worry about it, kid. But but even the looks he gives, like when he's, he's throwing the darts and he turns <laughs> around and the way he turns around and looks – and we don't even know what he's looking at yet, but it's just very fucking eerie. And he's just looking down and the camera zo- shoots shows the, the two twins. And he does, he has great, he has a great little face for this role. Yeah. Um, he does a lot of that. And like the, when his mouth is like wide open, when like Dick Halloran dies, like the shock in his face, it's excellent. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I don't I, know. I, I mean, Kubrick probably didn't torture this kid, but maybe the kid is just a natural at looking scared. <laughs> yeah. This it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's a role for a child that could very easily go to obnoxious you know going around red rum red rum red like that in the wrong hands that could be really shitty right but yeah that it's it's you know rightfully a a legendary performance for a uh, for a child my miscellaneous have you heard of the movie room to 237 wasn't that isn't that a stephen king movie no no, no, no. Okay, I'm thinking of a different Stephen King. This room, something. I think uh, the one I'm thinking of has um, John Cusack in it, or something like that. Uh, thirteen. You're thinking of thirteen. Uh, thirteen oh eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't heard about the other. Or fourteen oh eight. Fourteen. Yeah, fourteen oh eight. Okay, room two thirty seven is a documentary about people who have wild fucking theories about The Shining. Hmm. Okay, about the movie The Shining, not the book. Uh, the two most notable ones this is where the theory comes from that uh that stanley kubrick helped fake the moon landing have you heard this Uh, yeah in passing i remember hearing about something like that i recommend watching the documentary because there's like a good 25 to 30 minutes like given to the like this guy fucking explaining this theory is it on youtube 
probably somewhere. Room two. I gotta look it up right now. Room two thirty seven. But basically, it's like the major points are in the book is room two thirty nine, but the moon is two hundred thirty seven thousand miles away from the Earth. Um, The Danny has a rocket ship on his you know on his shirt when he goes to room two thirty seven. There's like there's a lot more to it. I don't buy it for a fucking second. It's madness. But it's like, it's so interesting to see. And the other one, which maybe I might buy more, is like, there's a lot of like Native American imagery in this. When it's pointed out to you, you do see it quite a bit. But it, it's, I would definitely recommend watching. It's very interesting. But like, this, this, the, the, I think, stronger theory of the two is that this is, it's a movie about, in some ways, the extermination of the Native American. Because they, wow. they go either way. Like, it was built in an Indian graveyard. It was, um, you know, like there's certain like images and they go, huh, that is that is interesting. That There might they, be something to that. Yeah, they mentioned like Navajo and Apache, yeah. like glasswork. Yeah. I think more so it's about, uh, about Stanley Kubrick feeling guilty about choosing his work over his family more so than anything. Mm. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting theories out there. I recommend anyone who who can check that that movie out. Room I might I might watch that tonight. I did find it on YouTube, so I'm a little excited yeah. to watch that. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about the Oscars this year. The ceremony took place in 1981 for movies from 1980, and this is a year that we referenced on our previous episode because this is the year of Raging Bull. Now, The Shining. Maybe this is horror movie bias, but wasn't didn't get any nominations. Surprising. So best picture is not won by The Shining. It's not won by Raging Bull. It is won by Ordinary People. Interesting. Ordinary People is just okay. <laughs> it's ordinary. It's there's some good performances in it, but it's and it was like weirdly a big hit at the time. I read the book in high school. It's kind of like a therapy drama, family therapy drama. It was it was kind of the movie of the moment. Uh, other nominees, of course, Raging Bull, Coal Miner's Daughter, The Elephant Man, and Tess. Now, Tess is the only one I'm really not super familiar with. It is our uh, directed by our acquaintance Roman Polanski. Uh, but... I think The Shining needs to fucking be in there. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. An enduring fucking classic, The Shining. I think out goes Tess, in goes The Shining. Yes. Uh, Best Director. Robert Redford wins for Ordinary People. Other nominees, David Lynch for The Elephant Man. Martin Scorsese uh, for, of course, Raging Bull. Richard Rush for The Stuntman. And acquaintance of the show, Roman Polanski for Tess. So again, Kubrick needs to be here. I think Richard Rush. Sorry. Yep. I think we need to rush your ass on out of here. Rush your ass right out. Best Definitely. actor. No, well, actually, here's the question. We, I mean, who's the winner for these categories? Because I think, let's talk best picture. The Shining versus Raging Bull. It's just, it, you know, it's, it's tough because they're just two different things. Um, if it was like, the Shining versus Halloween up there. It'd be a different story because you can compare them because they're both technically you kind of sort of them. in the they're same this genre. Is be- this is best picture. You get, we got to make a decision here. I think... I'm going to say this. 
I'm going to say this. I think, I think De Niro wins best actor, but I think, I think the shining wins best picture for me. And I, I love raging bull. Love it. Love it. Love it. But the Shining's just, it's got so many little things about it. That just so interesting. Here's a moderately hot take of the, of the, like, let's say your, your Scorsese canon of movies, right? When you think Scorsese, it's like, these are the movies. I think Raging Bull tends to be a bit overrated. Now, it's still a fucking classic, amazing movie. Right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. But put him up against, like, Scorsese's other, like, Raging Bull versus Goodfellas. Yeah, right, right. You know, Raging Bull versus, you know, pick your, your like, top three Scorsese. Ta- taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, yeah. The, the canonical Scorsese fucking classics. Right, right. But I think that De Niro's performance is, it shines through, that. you know what I mean? He's, he just put so much work into it. He gained so much weight. I mean, he just did so much. I'd agree but, with that. Uh, best director, uh, like we said, we're putting him in there. Against Scorsese versus Kubrick, best director. What a fucking showdown. Oh, that is a really good because because you gotta, you got to think that both movies are so stylized. Yes, um, especially you know Scorsese, he he purposefully did black and white. The way he filmed the boxing scenes are very unorthodox and strange. Yeah. Especially when you got Rocky, you know those are much yeah. more you know coordinated boxing matches. His was very strange in Raging Bull. You know, yeah. the, you know the the way that De Niro's face was getting punched and the blood squirting out of every area. It was very violent, um, but very stylized. And you have Kubrick, of course, who just makes everything odd and airy um sh- big showdown i don't know who i choose do you do you have one over the other i th- uh, yeah that's really tough i think just personal preference this sh- i would go with go with kubrick yeah i think for this specific like if it were uh, it's so tough but kubrick didn't make i feel like didn't make as many you know bangers as, as many as scorsese yeah. Um, so maybe this time around Kubrick gets the nudge because we're going to see so much more Scorsese later. Yeah. Yeah. And when I say nudge, I mean the, the win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best actor De Niro wins for, for Raging Bull. Uh, hell of a year for, uh, for best actor here. Uh, other nominees are Robert Duvall and the great Santini, John Hurt and the elephant man, Jack Lemon in tribute and Peter O'Toole in the stunt man. Five fucking legends right there. I'm going to go ahead and bounce Peter O'Toole out for this one for I, Nicholson. I think so. Yeah, just that the is yeah, either O'Toole or Lemon yep. can go. I feel like Lemon can go, honestly. Well, yeah, I just feel like O'Toole has had his time in the, in the sun so many times um, for this. Jack Lemon a little bit less maybe than O'Toole. So either, I'm fine with either one as well. But Nick, I, mean, I think we both agree that Nicholson deserves for a yeah, nomination this year. I mean, come on. There. Yeah, I agree. Let's uh, let's let's bounce a tool. In fact, if I was Jack Nicholson, and I think we know that he definitely has an ego on him in real life. Um, even so, if I was Nicholson and I got I got snubbed, I'd be pretty upset for this. Yeah, I mean, I think he knew just based on the genre. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, Nicholson goes in. So now we come. I, I, yeah, I don't think there are any other categories to talk about really. I you mean, don't think you don't think Shelley could could be a, a best supporting actress? Um. Actually, she's in the movie a lot. I don't know if she's yeah, best I'd give, actress. I put her more for best actress. Yeah, we can go over that category because it's 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 pretty interesting. Sissy Spacek wins. Speaking of Stephen King nomination, uh, Stephen King adaptations, uh, Sissy Spacek uh, in Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, not that that's a Stephen King adaptation, but she did play Carrie. Ellen Burstyn is nominated for Resurrection. Goldie Hawn in Private Benjamin. Mm. Gina Rollins in Gloria, and Mary Tyler Moore in Ordinary People. Interesting. 
that that is quite a good performance i would say that's yeah. not something you'd expect from mary taylor Moore. well right. deserved She's flexing her muscles a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen really any of the other ones to even compare, but I just feel like Shelley Duvall's I'm, performance is very, very, very memorable. It is. I don't think I'd push too hard for it, honestly. I, I Again, given the circumstances, is a great performance, but there are some moments where it's like, why is she doing that? Like, right. No, no, I get it. She, she has a very glitchy performance too. Like she's very, yeah. she's very wiry or very like, you know, uh, monotone the way she answers. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, you know, there's, I mean, there's times where she's like, she's running up the stairs and she's like doing this thing with her arms. And it's like, what? <laughs> right. Right. Like I was watching with Jen is like, do you think like the director told her to do that? And I was like, probably. Cause flail like, your I arms told, when you do yeah, that again. <laughs> I was like I told her the story of like Vancouver torturing her with a thousand right. takes and screaming at her. So was, yeah, like, I mean, whatever's there is fucking exist. He got what he wanted, I guess. But, right. Yeah. It was kind of, kind of weird moments like that. It's like, what is, yeah. what is this? Right. Right. Um, although like, I do like the overall like tenor of the performance, certainly where it's like, she is, acting like the wife who does not want to piss off her husband because her husband can snap at any fucking second. Yeah. And I think beyond, beyond her being terrified throughout the movie, I like a lot of small moments too. Like when she goes to like see Jack while he's writing and he's like, now will you just get the fuck out of here? And she's like, well, okay. Like you can see that she's like, it's a very genuine performance. Like it doesn't seem like fake. Like she's very good at that, but yeah, I guess I agree with you. There's some moments that like, bring down her performance slightly which might make her not nominated here. yeah no and and again i think the the idea of like she is just trying to keep it even keel because if i ever fucking talked to my wife like that there would be a fucking screaming match yeah I'd get punched she in the wouldn't face. be like okay because you know i'm not gonna fucking snap like jack torrance is gonna fucking well snap. she's totally submissive to him she is and i think that's she's she's just that's her her trying to protect danny Right. You know, she's trying to protect him in the only way that she can, you know, mm-hmm. until she physically like swings at him with a bat. She's choking up real fucking high on that bat, by the way. Yeah, she really is. I would say best supporting actress goes to the old lady in the bathtub. Yes. Yeah. Um, For her yeah. great, her great line reading of. <laughs> yeah. That just that, that witch cackle. Yeah. All right. So those are the Oscars. Now we come to the most important part of the show. And that is when I throw 30 seconds on the clock and Derek tells us why The Shining is the greatest movie of all time. I'm going to actually be ready myself and hit the clock this week. So Derek, are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. All right. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, The Shining by Stanley Kubrick, 1980. This is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. It is so stylized. It is so interesting to see the development of characters, where the story goes, who survives in the end, why things are happening. Um, It's filled with great music that we haven't even mentioned the composer, but everything in this movie is really spot on. Whether or not you you follow the novel or not, it's a great watch. It's one of the greatest horror movies of all time. That is time. 30 seconds. Uh, so yeah, The Shining. That's well. What actually? What are we eating with The Shining? That's a good question. That's a good question. There's not a lot of food in this movie. There's actually um, a ton of food. No, movie. but you don't see a lot of. You just see like a, a couple of sandwiches eaten, yeah. and like maybe I think she's like opening a can of like. Did, did you fruit. notice what Jack ate while he was locked in there? Of yeah, all like the or- fucking Oreos. 
yeah, Oreos, Oreos and yeah. dipped in peanut butter. Peanut butter, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and then I think we see actually the, the one moment of the movie where Jack is actually like being like decent to his wife is like when she like makes some breakfast. And there's like eggs and bacon and he's like, whoa, I slept till 1130. Like, wow. And then he's eating the food and he's being really cordial towards her. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the, what that means, but it's like the only moment I've noticed. But I don't know. I feel like um, I'm trying to think what food specifically. I wouldn't do pizza because there's no pizza in the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm having, like, I'm having like a steak. A steak. I was a thinking because it, it's and so I'm cold. Washing that shit down with some Jack Daniels. I, I'm on, thinking it's it's so cold outside yeah. that it might be a really good idea to eat like a nice, like perfectly toasted grilled cheese with some tomato soup. Yeah. And uh, this is actually a really cool movie to watch in the winter too, because you can just you just feel that coldness. Um, I like what you said before too. Like when you're in the hotel, you still feel like it's cold um in a lot of ways and i wonder this might be a dumb question but i wonder if this was filmed on a soundstage uh in the in the maze because i didn't see like breath you know by danny or or jack yeah it could be like fake snow as well so i don't don't, i don't know but Uh, i don't i don't know if if you guys know let us know on social media uh you know where they uh where they film that uh soundstage or outside or, or what uh, but that has been our episode on The Shining. We hope you enjoyed that. That was our, uh, although it is maybe not as representative of horror in the 80s, definitely a great example of horror in the 80s. One of the best uh, movies of that decade, let alone horror movies. Yeah. Um, next week, though, we go to the 90s and we go to Scream. We have Anthony Barrasso, my brother. Folks, you're finally going to see me and Anthony. Finally. Going at it after our countdown one episode. On one, going one-on-one with the big deck Boski. And I will give a little bit of a spoiler here. I don't know how much of a fight you're going to see because I think we both enjoy the movie. Uh, I'm assuming Anthony does since he picked it, <laughs> but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to 100% stir shit immediately about every <laughs> movie that you disagreed on on that list. I'm like, Rick, I was in a good mood today. Why did you fucking stir the shit? <laughs> Get ready for me to start shit and pick a fight between you two. Can't wait for that. Uh, no, but seriously, folks, we hope you have been enjoying our Halloween month horror through the decades here. Uh, if you have anything you want us to cover, let us know on social. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, but I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso, your favorite co-host, the co-host I... with the co-most. Oh, God. Oh, God. I have been your favorite of all time co-host, the big shining Dick Bosk, the, the big, the big shine Dick Bosk, <laughs> the big shine Dick Bosky wreck, the, the big shine Bosky, the big shine Bosky, I guess. Well, folks, keep watching. <laughs>